Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To go live. Oh, okay. I think it says live. We we. I'm not ready to go live, but it just happened anyway. So here we are. Hi there. I'm Brett Ballantini from a baseball website called Southside Sox. You may also know us from a podcast we do under the uh, t- title of Sox Populi. So welcome to that. If you're watching us, we're live in three spots. If we have a viewer or two, great. Uh, Tommy Barbie, I've assigned, he didn't want this assignment. I've assigned him to monitor the YouTube page. Uh, so we'll, I don't know if somebody like, is yelling, then, you know, um, then we'll listen to you yelling and we'll incorporate your yelling into our, our pod uh, cast. Uh, but anyhow, uh, thanks for joining us. And I say that <laughs> not to an audience that may not exist, but to my three wonderful guests. It's Tommy Barbie coming straight out of, I believe, straight out of Columbia. Uh, and Joe Rhesus, um, I think still of the Indianapolis uh, field office. Uh, that's going to change, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep, we're going to keep tabs on them and, you know, we'll see how things change. You know, the hair gets longer, the background gets crazier, the connection gets stronger, who's to say? And the special sauce, the lucky charm here that's kept Joe on the broadcast so far, it's Malachi Hayes joining us. And again, as I have already told him, this doesn't just work for just, you know, whatever live streaming or podcasts. When Maliki enters the room, just good things happen. So uh, thank goodness we can move forward with this podcast because Maliki has joined us and is ready to play softball again now that the smoke has cleared. Okay, we are on Sox Populi Podcast 152, the first live streaming one. Again, you may never know it, but uh, for now, that's what we're going to call it. Uh, so 152, a uh, quick check on how the White Sox are doing. We go through this every podcast, and it really has just been a few games ago. So apologies for any repeat here, but White Sox now 37-49. and 49. That's not good. That's a 430 winning percentage. Does project to a 70-win season. Somehow, even the, the most garrulous of us on staff – did not see a 70 win season. Now we're thinking the 70 win season. In fact, some Crystal keeps probably already revised hers to 47 wins like she did last year because she tends to get disgusted and and, and fiery about uh, this club. I wouldn't revise mine down that low. Maybe not even to 70. I still think this is probably a better team than that, but don't trust me. What do I know? I'm just hosting a quiet live stream. Uh, six games uh, in the loss column behind Minnesota in first place, five and a half back. So that was just a shout out to our friend Steve Stone, six in the all important loss column. Again, run differential or just winning percentage projects to a 70 win team. Uh, Maliki, this is a rerun for you, but again, we'll just do a little gut check to start. I mean, obviously there's nothing that happened over <laughs> the weekend. Losing two, of th- almost losing three of three to Oakland, uh, which last time I checked, worst team in baseball. Um, so there's not a lot of hope there. I'd say a significant difference with the team is, uh, Michael Kopech at a, I guess an inopportune time as if, as if it's ever an opportune time is taking a break. So now the White Sox have at best three fifths of a real rotation. That's not going to help things. I wouldn't think, uh, moving forward, even though the White Sox are back at home and ready to win, uh, ready to chase after the twins for first place. But I mean, I can anticipate the answers, but anything, <laughs> Anything recently, let's just not winnow down to the Oakland series. Anything recently offering hope 
for the White Sox and their chances in 2023? No, not really. Um, <laughs> they've they've been in the same place for about two months now. You know, they've been in that kind of 10 to 14 games under 500 range for since kind of the end of that losing streak there. Uh, and somebody, it might have been you, Brad, I don't remember who said uh, at the end of that, 10 games under 500 is the new 500. As far <laughs> it as, is. Uh, <laughs> as far as hanging around there. So, you know, just every series like this, every two-week stretch or so just kind of solidifies that this is what they are. So uh, it's hard to say I'm moved from the last time you asked me that question. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can be optimistic that, everyone else in the central is still pretty bad, but at some point, you know, that doesn't really give you too much hope when the Sox can't even get to that level of mediocrity. And Joe's so disgusted. He left. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, the sauce is gone, I guess. It is, yeah. He's back. He's back. He's back. Ah, there we go. I'm sorry. I'm I'm freaking out because I'm seeing this tunnel. You know, like when you see the image where there's like 60 of you behind you. I'm I'm watching our You're Twitter watching live, whatever. So I'm I'm freaking out. I'm not a good host when there's not these distractions. So now we're really in trouble. Uh, cue really awful, terrible thing. I'm going to end up stumbling and saying, but uh, Joe, you're back. So hey, gut check. Hi, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm really having some trouble over here. Um, oh, okay. About reasons to be optimistic. Is that correct? Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. Okay, Luis Robert Jr. Um, okay. He's he's been playing extremely well. Um, he is light years of everyone else who is a position player, which is kind of a problem. But I mean, it is. It has been exciting to see him having a big um, breakthrough this this season and. Um, he's been a pleasure to watch. Um, it's been nice to see a bounce back from Lucas Giolito and um, as well. Um, and Gregory Santos has been very reliable out of the bullpen, and they really hadn't expected him to do much of anything this year for them. So, I mean, yeah, they're, there's they've been exciting players there for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, hard to really talk about reasons to be optimistic without talking about this. Um, Amazing first couple of Zach Remillard. I don't know how much of that is sustainable. I'm guessing probably not very much, but yeah, it's it's been exciting though to watch him, you know, just get clutch hit after clutch hit. So um you know, he's already tied for among position player war on fan drafts for them. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty wild. You would think that's mathematically impossible, Joe. Okay, Joe, then I have to ask you, uh, you know, again, as long as you're still with us, um, does this coalesce? I mean, I know your answer because, again, your your spice quotient has increased during the course of the season. Does this coalesce, the Luis Robert having the season we've been waiting for him to, to have and Lucas having the bounce back as he's making a salary drive, does this coalesce into anything that makes you feel good about how this team can move forward and perhaps get a little closer to the top of the division? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know in, in, in this division what's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, a little bit, uh, get, getting a little bit weary of saying, well, it's it's the AL Central, so you never know. At some points, they, they have to go on, they have to go on a run. And um, I feel like they're, uh, it looks like it'll be a while before they go on an extended hot streak. Yes. Our, 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 our Facebook angel, Melissa Sage Mullenbach last podcast had pointed out, Hey, you know, I think I saw something that said that the strength of schedule is going to, uh, the white Sox have sort of an advantage there. Uh, things are going to get, um, quote unquote easier, but you know, my initial, um, snarky response, um, to her was, you know, when you're the bottom feeders, you can't really rely too much on strength of schedule because they're, everybody's marking the schedule, wait to play you. You can't exactly turn the tables on other teams. Okay, sure. We get the Royals and we can say, all right, the Royals, but you know, every other team in baseball is like, oh, the White Sox are coming to town. Sounds good. So it is going to be tough to, uh, I mean, again, tough, we're talking about tough and it's, we're, 
six games, five and a half games. Uh, and it's been that way for a while now, even still flirting at roughly 10 games worse than 500. This is a bizarre, bizarre season. I guess if there's any year that a team is going to win a division at 80, 82, as Malik has already predicted, uh, it's going to be this one. Um, given the fact that we've talked a lot on these podcasts and we're always trying to find reasons to not just have to drill down to this 2023 team because we're, we're not going to come up with solutions and they're not listening to us. We do come up with solutions, actually. White Sox don't listen to us. So, you know, at some point we are just spitting in the wind and that, that gets to be a bummer. It gets wet after a while. So let's pause on that. But I'm curious, broadening it a bit, you know, and not that this needs to be just like a Rick Hahn trash session, although again, every podcast sort of ends up being that. Uh, one of the essay questions I sort of threw out to prospective guests on this live stream is uh, wondering just, because I think there are many choices here, uh, where, I guess when we look at the rebuild itself, the broadness of the rebuild, what was the worst move made? It could be something that didn't happen or a decision that was made. Of the many things that we have on our list of how things went wrong, and among them, some things that you know can't be controlled. A guy gets, you know, a guy blows out a hip, or you know what, you know, whatever. Okay, but I mean, what was the moment in any of your eyes, uh, looking back now with the perspective we have as a thirty-seven and forty-nine team, looking up at an AL Central that is again for a second straight year eminently winnable, uh, where it makes you think. Oh, man, they really blew it on this thing they did do or, or didn't do. Yeah, uh, it was just said over over in the comments, but uh, I would take it back pretty much to the beginning and saying that not giving Bryce Harper the contract that mm -hmm. he wanted when he seemed pretty open to coming here and being the guy in the same way that he has since gone and become the guy in Philly and, you know, got them to a world series. And, you know, the combination of how he's performed, he's won, he's won an MVP. He's finished top five a couple of times. He's been, he's on a hall of fame trajectory and he's going to be there for another 10 years. Uh, it's great. And the white Sox are still playing Gavin sheets in right field. So <laughs> it's, you know, and here's the thing, Malik, the year they right. won the division, the one year that they actually won, they started the year with Adam Eaton in right field. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. that it's hard to look. If we're looking back at everything, it starts there, man. It really did start there. Malik, was, we're reduced to Oscar Colossus coming back up to the team, a real right field, you know, as if, and I mean, great. I hope he goes bananas. I hope he brings his Charlotte numbers. He, he packs his Charlotte bag and has it rolling on the South side, but that's what we're reduced to a rookie, you know, like, wow, finally a real right fielder. Yeah. That's a little bit different. I think I'm going to look at the numbers here. I think that's a little bit different than Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Tommy. I, I also agree with the Bryce Harper not signing. I think that that one is a big one. I think more recently it is just the amalgamation of this expensive ass bullpen. <laughs> for no reason and i i've said this time and time again i want like two chains to fly in and do a most expensivest episode on the white Sox bullpen and how awful they are despite spending all this money and it it doesn't make sense and it just felt like a bunch of band-aids that rick Hahn just kept going out again and again and again saying all right i'm gonna put Joe Kelly in. Okay. I'm going to get this guy and throw him in there. Okay. I'm going to get this guy and throw him in there. And, you know, Tony LaRusso was just kind of drunkenly slanted against the wall <laughs> being like, yeah, that seems like a good guy. Get another bullpen arm, get another bullpen arm. And it never made sense. Meanwhile, you had starters readily available that could actually help you fill out innings instead of Kopech making it maybe a hundred innings, maybe not, you know, all these other scenarios that you had not having any pitching depth, but just time and time again, Rick Hahn just had this idea that if he just kept getting that right veteran closer or bullpen arm, that it was somehow going to fix all these other problems. And frankly, it's just made things worse from a roster construction standpoint. 
Oh, roster construction. That's a whole, that's, that's like my a, favorite thing to talk about. I that's know. like a five. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is like a five part podcast series because that, that really, that hovers and shadows and creeps over every single thing that's you know gone wrong with this team going back maybe even before rebuild. Okay, Joe, the question's up uh, and you have it. So the answer now is to you, uh, <laughs> where'd it go wrong? <laughs> Well, Joe is it's an optional answer, I suppose. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Um I yeah, I think the 2018 to 19 offseason is a good place to start. Okay. Um kind of set the tone for a lackluster sequence of offseasons in free agency where it became clear that they were not going to get any top tier free agents and you know. So that was kind of like, okay, they're probably taking some options away as far as, you know, a long-term contention plan um, without when they're not, you know, when they're going to be like trying to look for bargains near the middle and, um, you know, of course the bargain bin of the market, which Han has still not had a good history of you know, finding value um, where there's not a sure thing. Um, yeah. That you know, for these like mid tier and low tier like free agents, it's you know it's generally not a very good track record that he's had. So like when Reinsdorf would not go to the three hundred million guaranteed for ten years, which was completely reasonable and actually has turned out to be inexpensive for Machado, um, that was pretty. That was a pretty rough moment. Um, and I think the other thing was probably just. The lack of advancement in the farm system, um, like as soon as the core group of prospects that they got primarily via trade and like major trades as well, like trades that they absolutely had to get a good return on, um, like after those guys graduated, um, they were among the worst farm systems once again, and <laughs> there was just no one really to take the, their um and had they been able to get even like a you know, 15th ranked farm system after mm. that graduation, I think we might be looking at a little bit of a different situation as catching yeah. up some of the holes on this roster right now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a huge one. I, I mean, just as much as we make fun of Rakan for saying, ask me after the parade, I think we should give him just the same amount of shit around the pipeline of talent that doesn't exist. I mean, the minute they started using the draft as an opportunity to cheaply attempt <laughs> to sign free agents to fill in voids and not really bothering with any true high school talent or younger college talent to actually round out their farm system. Mm -hmm. I, I think the whole thing was moot because mm -hmm. they had their guys that they took the gamble on off of those initial trades, but you didn't see them trying to replenish the back end of their minor league system the way that most teams do. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to circle back to um, one of the issues that have come up, which are obvious big ones, the, the Harper Machado. Uh, but let me get my answer out, and it plays off of something that um, Drew threw down in the com comments there, although he's had a lot of things to say, because there's a lot of things to say about what's failed in the rebuild. And I will, ch I, although I did have Machado, that was sort of one of my earmarks, but the other one is, and it's, it, it's a very different direction to take, but it is the thing we've talked about. I believe, I, I think, let's see, 152, I think probably the last 100 consecutive podcasts, we've somehow found a reason to mention, not extending a qualifying offer to Carlos Rodan for a low, a very relatively low amount of money. Now, okay, it's easy to say he is a five war pitcher um, in 2022. Um, oh man, that was the stupidest thing ever. Okay. Yeah. He could have got hurt the same way he's, he's now hurt in 2023. Fine, 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 fine. It's coming off a season where you basically got like 25 million in value for nothing. Um, give him the money. And maybe that makes a difference between a team that's finishes 500 
and wins the division. Um, we, we're, we're talking a lot on front end, like you don't make the investment in a Machado or you just put up a banner at the United Center and that's just supposed to attract Bryce Harper for probably a very, very low ball offer. Uh, and that I think is probably more significant and overarching failure in this. But while you're in it and you're coming off a 93, I believe, win season, you do not double down, realize you do not have anything in your farm system to supplement what is a, I guess on paper, very solid rotation. And you just decide to say, you know, Carlos could have still chosen not to, not to take the offer. And then the White Sox just have to deal with like a 40th or 50th pick. They get something. Um, That just set off bells for me, set off alarms for me uh, on a number of levels, including just simply putting the most competitive team on the field when you have the opportunity to there was no other Carlos Rodon's walking through the door Uh, Han didn't have a master plan where he was going to make legitimate offers to three other pitchers just as good there weren't any other pitchers just as good Uh, so that to me was a real crack in the rebuild uh, well into it I mean at that point we weren't rebuilding anymore the window was open and this team was supposed to now push into the upper 90s and wins instead of drop back to oh 81 Seems like so long ago that disappointment came up. All right, before we take a break, although on a live stream, do we take breaks? I think we're just going to have to uh, read live ad copy. So um, get prepared. I'm going to have to scratch something down. Uh, Let's circle back here. And I want to know because Joe mentioned uh, Machado. I'm sort of Machado camp. Uh, Maliki and Tommy both mentioned Bryce Harper in terms of, obviously, those are the two key free agency failures. White Sox were in. <laughs> they were in um, both, uh, but Machado certainly advanced far enough to the point where we all sort of thought he was going to be on the White Sox. I'm not sure we ever really thought that about Bryce, whether that was the smarter, you know, uh, play or not. Um, but in terms of what sort of crushes the rebuild, crushes a reputation, um, opens the team up for mockery. It seems to me like failing on Machado and then sort of the bluster coming from Ken Williams, a guy I almost always defend. Um really indicated uh, what do these guys have a clue what they're doing. So I would just like a few other thoughts on uh, from the three of you in terms of what gives you more pain in the stomach when you think about it now. I think the Machado thing stings more only because of the, um, the trade with Tatis like that. It's it's like having both of those guys kicking ass on the Padres, even though the rest of the team sucks right now, but both of those guys just like doing so much damage on the Padres, I, I think was a huge um, kind of stain. And especially when it was just for James Shields, like, I don't care that no one else thought that Tatis is going to turn into what he became. Just the fact that you're giving up on prospects for a guy like James Shields, who they could, I mean, Tukey, that's like trading for Tukey Toussaint. Like you can find guys like that Mm. to fill in innings. There wasn't any reason to make that type of a move. I think that's the kind of short-sightedness that, that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but, you know, in terms of long-term damage, I think that's probably the bigger failure just because they went through all of these non-move moves to make it seem like Machado was going to come here because they knew his cousin's best friend and went to the wedding of his, you know, what, you know it's just like, who cares? Like, none of that mattered. They're all looking at the money. The Sox were nowhere near the money that was really being offered to these guys. And I think it's just the farce of it all that just made the White Sox look like an unserious organization and kind of set the tone. Crystal makes a good point, Tommy. You're forgetting we got John Jay and that whole deal. Who everyone forgot about because he was there for like, what, a week and then disappeared for half the season. Yeah. Yeah, he got hurt. He was rehabbing. And yeah, and then he played for a little bit. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, that was uh, uh, sick. For me, it was just hard to watch Bryce Harper drag that Phillies team to the World Series last yeah. year. A yeah. team that was not really, not I mean, good. Twin, I, yeah. I, I see a lot of similarities between the way that team was put together and the way that 
they kind of botched their own rebuild going back a few years earlier in the White Sox. And uh, just the way their roster was kind of thrown together, you know, he, he really, he really pulled them across the finish line there. And it's hard, hard to watch that and just not imagine how the last few years might've played out differently. If they had a guy like that, you know, not just doing that, but staying healthy too, as, as he up until this past year really has. So yeah, that's, I, I'm gonna have to go with that one in that case. Cause that's, you saw it happen. Yeah. You yeah. watch it happen in front of you. It's yeah. hard not to wonder. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, as much as uh, Machado seems to be a guy um, causing, uh, let's say, uh, calling out the problems maybe in that clubhouse. Uh, I know he and Tatis have had skirmishes before. I'm guessing Machado falls on the side of come ready to play. Tatis maybe doesn't. I don't know. I have no insight into the San Diego uh, clubhouse because it's enough just to try to deal with uh, divining what's going on with Chicago. But I mean, his leadership hasn't dragged San Diego anywhere. (laughs) I mean, I guess they finally got that uh, big uh, uh, thing off their back with the Dodgers. But I mean, you know, seeing as as Malachi's saying it play out where Bryce Harper just drags the team and then like rushes back with one arm, you know, to, to be playing now. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, let's not get into it, you know, injury shaming or whatever. But uh, hey, the guy's not, he's not, you know, he didn't milk an injury. Um, you know, he wants to get out there and play. And, you know, now he's doing it this year, you know, to, to less success for the team. But, but I mean, yeah. just from a practical standpoint, how many iterations has Rick Hahn tried to fill that right field void? I, yeah. I mean, we had the adventures of Nomar Mazzara. We had the return of Adam Eaton for God knows what reason. Like, just all these random permeations of bad outfielders that have just kind of been stuck in there. You know, not to say that you would ever turn down either free agent because of roster depth, but it's like, at least with shortstop, the White Sox in third base, the shortstop, they had stuff. They've never had an outfielder outside of Luis Robert. So, I mean, it's just, I think that part looks really bad too and and kind of speaks to how it never feels like Rick Hahn has a plan beyond what's immediately in front of him. Fair. Blake Rutherford was supposed to be the guy, man. I don't know how to tell you. Oh, God. Is he still in the system somewhere? In Washington, I believe he's in Washington. Is he in Washington now? I think okay. he's in the Washington system. He went. He did go somewhere. Unlike Miker, who is still what? He's still with the Monarchs. He's with the Monarchs. Oh, God, that is crazy. Playing uh, okay. the bananas every month. <laughs> <laughs> having a, having a hit off a pitcher on stilts. Exactly. Oh boy, Crystal, where are you? We could get the bananas report. Um, okay, well, let's take a quick break, I guess, because I think me and I think between us, me and Joe gave our Machado case. I still think the fact it got so much further along, whether or not Manny Machado is always using the White Sox. I know that's like the uh, the postmortem of oh, he was he was never coming to the White Sox. He was just he was never serious about it. His his wife never would have moved. Okay, well, whatever. It does seem like they were like a day away from signing Manny Machado, and the fact that they got to the finish line and then blustered their way, stumbled and fumbled, and said, well, no, our our offer was still the best. Under any circumstance you look at it, uh, is just if nothing else, it's embarrassing, <clears throat> and it weakens the roster. So, uh, let's take a break for the podcast for the purposes of the live stream. You're going to still see us moving. I'm still moving. There is no pause here at all. But on the podcast, Fans First Sports Network is going to take a moment to sell you something. It could be slap chop. Uh, it could be a T-shirt. Uh, I'm going to guess it might have something to do with gambling. That just seems like that's a, that's a fair guess. Um, but no matter what, you know, give it a consideration, you know, good people at fans for sports network. We love them. So consider what they want to sell you. We'll be back in one minute. I promise. And if you're on the live stream, we're not going anywhere. Hey, White Sox fans, live streaming, podcasting, video casting. I don't know what you call all this stuff. We are in three locations with uh, burgeoning viewership. Goodness gracious. I'm not sure the counter can take the viewership on our soft open for live streaming at uh, 9.55 Central Time on 4th of July Eve. But I've been lucky enough. 
to get three of my very best friends in the whole wide world here with me to join me on 4th of July Eve. That's July 3rd for the rest of the world. It's Tommy Barbie, almost my neighbor, Tommy Barbie. Uh, we call him Buck Mulligan. We call him Maliki, uh, the artist formerly known as Zach. Uh, he is here with us, uh, bringing the good vibes, allowing Joe, I mean, really, let's face it, to be part of the broadcast, still representing the Indianapolis field office, sharing time, still paying half of the rent, along with Crystal O'Keefe in the field office. Uh, thanks for being here, Joe. And listen, you've hardly faded away, so it, it just must, it must be the live stream, Joe. It must be a live stream. Um, okay, next topic. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let, oh boy. You know, Joe has, has had so much trouble with the live streaming, providing he can get an answer out. I'm going to let him determine what the second half of this podcast, how it starts, because we've got a two-pronged question, and I'm sure we're going to have fun with the answers. When the White Sox made you happiest, and when they made you saddest. Joe, the question is first to you, and you can choose to answer one of those, and you're, we're either gonna get the medicine out of the way first, or we're gonna just start happy and hope that everybody else hangs up on the live stream before we have to get all, to all the sad stuff. So it's up to you. Uh, tell us if we wanna start happy or sad, and then give me your answer. Joe is going to, he is he is meditating on the answer. I'm going. I'm okay, you with it? I, I think I need the the thing that we do on here, something where we have where we have the question on the screen. For, like, okay, Tommy Barbie. I, I am. I, I can. Would someone like to? It's go coming, and... Tommy Barbie. We're going. We are going. Southside Sox, old school longevity. Joined Southside Sox before even I did, uh, so that's old school. I mean, look, look at the two of us. Can you imagine that Tommy Barbie's older than me? It's not, it just cannot, it's not possible. It is just not possible. But look, ha, he's older than me. Go figure. Tommy, the question is now to you. You can choose <laughs> to take the medicine first <laughs> or just get sweet. Uh, give me your answer and uh, then I'll type it for Joe. Um, happiest, obviously, 2005. I mean, there that will never be topped, it, especially at the rate this team's going now. Um, so there's that the saddest I no, no, say. no, no, Tommy. Nope, no, we're not one. answering both. We're just right. going one and then we're Let's going to the happy. other. We're, All right. we're going happy and Let's then we're going to get sad. You know, then we're going to get sad. <laughs> okay. Tell me this then, Tommy, I got to follow up with you then. Yeah. What then, then, then what, it, I mean, I guess it's, it's actually winning, but I mean, what in 2005 or the world series itself, was there a moment? When did you know that it, <laughs> as if you really ever felt you knew until the final out. Uh, but I mean, what what was it? Was there a moment maybe besides the pileup, you know, on the mound after game four that like was a real peak moment? Like, oh, oh my God, this is going to happen. Um, it didn't feel real until it actually happened. But I, okay. after putting away the Red Sox, that was when it was just like, all right, mm -hmm. I, I could see this coming together. Because, I mean, that was huge. Um you know, it's not easy to make Chris Berman shut up. So that that was just an <laughs> he amazing was so moment. Sad. He was so angry and sad. He didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, that's all I wanted going in. I said, let's win one playoff series. Yeah. It was like, it was house money after that. I was like, just get the one. And then that happened so easily. It's like, oh, well, okay. Exactly. Well, this resets my expectations now. Yeah. Uh, Okay, kick it back to you, Joe. Uh, then you know now the question is the happiest the White Sox have ever made you. Yes, thank you. I knew I know what the question is. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the first thing that came to mind was the World Series victory in 05. I feel like that's a bit too cliche. I, I'm going to go with mm -hmm. Lucas Giolito's no-hitter in 2020. Um, I mean, Giolito is one of my favorite players to ever play for the White Sox. Um, had the very high privilege of being able to see him at Sox Fest um, back when that existed. And <laughs> um, that was Spicy. one of the best games I've ever seen pitched. Um, just only needing 101 pitches to throw a no-hitter with 13 strikeouts and only one walk. I mean, it was – granted, it was a terrible lineup, but I don't really care. I mean, regardless of how bad a lineup is – it's 
be very difficult to be that dominant over a over nine innings in Major League Baseball. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite games in in MLB history, and uh, was really was a pleasure to watch it. And uh, it yeah was certainly a bright spot in a very very strange year. Yeah, new, uh, newly married uh, Samuel, Sam, congratulations, and uh, Janice both got to cover that game for us in a in one of our 600 guises. That one at the time was Southside Hip Hen, Sports Illustrated. Uh, Tommy also showed up for a few games there, too. They, did, they didn't get a no-hitter for you, though, Tommy. They must not like you that much. They Sorry, clinched. Tommy. I got to see them Okay, clinch. you can see so well, I, I'll, get, I'll take Come that. On. Heck yeah. No-hitter. <laughs> no-hitter. Um, okay, uh, Maliki... Uh, Give me an answer. Give me a give me a happy answer. Yeah, so I'll I guess I'll follow the uh, ride the wave here, and I'll go with Mark Burley's perfect game, which was uh, mm. I was fortunate enough to be in attendance at. You know, and as a as a middle schooler who was already you know buried in all of the you know nerdy baseball stat history books and stuff like that, you know, thought Bill James's almanac was the greatest thing in the world. That was uh, just an incredible thing to be able to watch and being like aware of what was going on the entire time with the um, you throw in things like the Dwayne Wise catch. It was kind of as far as, you know, there's only 24. Well, like there to be 23, but different story. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yeah. amongst perfect Happy, games, all perfect games sad. are unique. Yeah. Yes. All perfect games are unique, but even amongst no hitters and perfect games, that one was quirky. It was, you know, mm-hmm. only six strikeouts. It was, you know, two hours. It was, um, it was Mark Burley. It was quintessential Mark Burley. So um, that was kind of a, a peak outside of the World Series for a team that always kind of um, just fell short of expectations for, for, for a long time during that time. Maliki was a Josh Fields Grand Slam for crying out loud. Come on. You want to talk about uh, needles and haystack? Uh, no, okay. Now, me and Tommy have already discussed that we've been at certain games together, certain milestone games, and and Maliki, we are also both at the perfect game. So, uh, where were you at the perfect game? Where where were you sitting? So uh, so I could have waved to you or like stole a hot dog over your. I yeah, I have the the ticket stub chilling right here. It's a one one forty seven, row one seat three. It was. Man. Not our tickets, that's for sure. I don't know how the hell we, we same same deal. Those. We were close, same deal, Maliki. We I probably stepped over you to get to get to my <laughs> or my dad most likely bragged about me or yelled at you or your father about something because you know he's happy and sad at every single game, every single moment of his life. Uh yeah, that's a tough one to, to pass that. I, I never never, never forget the air leaving the stadium when Gabe Kepler mm. made that contact, it just went oh, silent. Yeah. And then like three seconds later, we're like, what happened? What happened? Mm. Oh my God. What happened? Um, all right. My answer, uh, I'll pick a world series moment. Uh, we're all, we're all picking two, right? So I'll pick world series. I'll say just game two. Cause I was lucky enough to go to the world series games and, and you know, game two, it's, it's not done yet. But I mean, you're you're feeling really good about it. You, this team is definitely feeling like a team of destiny at this point. You figure they're coming back. I didn't think that was the last game of the season I'd see because you figure, come on, they, you know, Houston's. I don't know. Those were close games. So I mean, come on. Uh, but I mean, going home from that game, you thought, okay, wait a minute. This, you know, we're never going to count anything. We're White Sox. I, I see the jersey I'm wearing, so I I know what I am. But wow, this is this is feeling good. Um, uh, and I would say probably uh, already sort of shout out Tommy and his um, clinching coverage, but I would say just getting to cover the first time. I mean, I covered some in 2005 writing for the team program. So I guess that counts, but really getting up there for the first time coming right off of uh, the Blackhawks run and then jumping onto the Sox beat. I can't even remember the game for sure. It was close to the Cubs series. Maybe I caught in Atlanta they were right about to start. They had just started that 25 out of 30 run. So, of course, naturally, it was me that was the good luck. So that made me feel good, too. But just being able to cover, you know, it's something you, you – I mean, who doesn't dream of that? Uh, and being able to do it and then knowing I'd have the job for a while. <laughs> but it was – I mean, come on. That's a thrill. And a different thing covering it as a freelancer. So being able to be up there on Press Row uh, in 2010 was great. You know, and – White Sox didn't do anything to make me happy, even though, of course, they went 25 and 5 and made me feel like I was the lucky charm like Maliki is. 
Uh, but then they proved me wrong as the season went on. Um, so I guess we have to turn the corner now. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the rebuild. So this, this answer might not be rebuild. In fact, I don't know. We're all adults here. You know, we're sort of grown up. So I'm not sure that anything in this rebuild era would have necessarily made us sad. But I don't want to answer for anybody. So um, it can be anybody on the board now that we know we have to talk about status moment. Now I want to know when the White Sox made you <laughs> saddest. Now, I know maybe we just need to put maybe another commercial break because I know everybody needs to jot notes down, jot their notes down because I imagine it's 10 or less than 10 or 20. But if something pops out right off, please shout it out, any one of you. Can we wait until after the trade deadline? <laughs> No, we'll just revisit it. We've got other podcasts. We have to do podcasts. So we'll, you know, table it for a month and we'll revisit. I'll say, Tommy Barbie, you have an opportunity to change your answer. So what is it now? Hmm. Oh, you so, guys are so sweet can, that nothing's ever made you sad. You know, yeah, I'll, let's be honest. I, I If we're talking about just being sad, Let's be real. The day they signed Mike Clevenger was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was it's terrible. True. I have never felt worse about being a yeah. White Sox fan than I did on yeah. that day, and I don't think it's close. Uh, yeah. mm, Larusa so. was really close. That was that's that was the other you know those moments are of just being let down of just being you can't believe they actually followed through and, and did this shit you know and the, those are those are those are tough to bounce back from especially when they get you know just they happen over and over again. So Malachi, you felt bad as we all did, of course, and we've been railing against this and it's just nice that he's gone for a period of time. So he doesn't have to hover over this team, even though it still sort of does, but here Malachi, you felt bad when they announced the signing and when Rick Hahn jumped the market to sign him, uh, like he tends to do for the worst fellas, but then it got worse. I mean, we didn't, I mean, not that it, you know, not that it wasn't bad enough, but it got worse. So I'm guessing you felt as bad or maybe worse in still days to come. Yeah. You know, I should clarify. That's really, I, I, I have forgotten that they actually didn't, you know, in theory publicly know about it at the time of the signing. So I should, yeah. I should clarify when, um, yeah when that actually became public is, is the day that I'm referring to. Um, yeah. I was just regular mad when they signed him. And, you know, <laughs> You're right. Like was, what? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it only got, it only got so much worse. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> there was spring training when we had the, um, the uh, apologist behavior and, and now he's just, when he's actually active, we just treat him like a regular, the, the, the beat, and the team just treat him like a regular guy. How is your velocity? How'd your arm feel? Were you angry at that ball fork? You know, whatever. Treat talking the guy like he's a human being. Thanks, White Sox. Uh, okay, well, Joe or Tommy, uh, feel free. Yeah, um, I, I I would answer, but again, yeah, this, this is why I haven't been doing a lot lately. People can hear me; I can't hear them for some reason. <laughs> so. Yeah, Tommy can go, can go ahead with this. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, it makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> Thank you because we just talked about the, the happiest <laughs> stuff. I probably could have guessed this. Um, <laughs> um saddest. Um, oh my. Mm. We're watching I, it unfold um, in real time. Can, can I like predict the future when Giolito gets traded? Like that's oh. that's going to be the saddest. That okay. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, you I are you are you are blatantly bald faced stealing Tommy's answer in one month in the future. But that's fine. Hey, listen, he snooze. I told him he had to snooze on it. So yeah, go ahead and steal it. So Giolito being traded is gonna like preemptively bum you out. Yeah. Um. I, I think. I'll go with, since this year is kind of an unresolved mystery for for now, even though I kind of have a strong punch about where this season is heading, I'm going to go with just last few weeks of 2022 when Cleveland pulled away. Um, 
there for a long time. Okay, the Sox are you know four or five games above 500 in the weak division. Yeah. They might actually do it, and then Cleveland goes on a tear, and then the Sox went on a big losing streak to to kind of seal the deal. Um, yeah, that was. And then Cleveland went on to kind of like throw back the NBC Sports Chicago tweets, um, <laughs> you know, back in the fan base's face. Um, yeah, it, that was just, you know, just a low point. And I found myself just like being very apathetic at that point, which is an unusual feeling. But um, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, nice. We, we deserve it. Like I didn't even really have any like, you know, bad feelings towards Cleveland. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good for them was kind of my, my, my feeling, but it, it had, was kind of sad for sure to, yeah. to be feeling that way. They had plenty of bad feelings towards us though. Now, Joe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and if I was smart, if I'm a good editor, I will link this in our uh, post. Uh, you did a story earlier. One of your columns uh, was ranking like, I don't know, the 20 seasons or something of your life. And I believe 2022 was the season you you actually listed as the worst one in your in your heart. Am I right? Yes, that is okay. that is correct. All right. So, yeah, you're not this is not a bluff answer. This is a real answer for sure. Uh, we mentioned a lot about that Fresh Prince tweet, but we uh, we overlook a lot the um, the guy who was working for uh, NBC at the time too, who put out the one. Is this Slava? Slava? I know we put him in the Cold Cats list uh, for one poll. Uh, who said the thing about like Marcus Simeon and Corey Sierra? Is this what you want to spend your money? You really? That's want a to spend pretty money bad on one good too. Players? How I mean, dare you? <laughs> and that was at a time when neither, I mean, those guys hadn't exactly gone. I mean, obviously now it's, it's looking, you know, it's looking better by the day, but I mean, again, it's just in theory, like really we're going to, we're going to have to examine, we're going to have to like give the thumbs up for Jerry's money being spent. Good Lord, man. But I guess, you know, I guess Jerry owns 40% of NBC sports Chicago. So I don't know. I never behaved that way. <laughs> they own 40% when I was working there. Uh, Tommy, I cut off your answer, correct? Oh, I'm sorry, Joe cut off your answer? We we cut off your answer? Do, yeah, do you no, I mean, all of your, all the answers were like times where I felt like sorry for the White Sox or like was angry mm. at them. Like, you know, Clevenger and mm -hmm. all the weirdness was just like, it was so bad. I, I just was more angry at Rick Hahn because it was just like, what the hell are you doing? I think like actual sadness for me was that the White Sox never followed up that 2005 season with a real true effort. And they came close to doing so many things. And, you know, you hear the stories now in retrospect of all the trades that were supposed to have happened that didn't get, happen or didn't get approved or whatever and um it's just kind of a shame that it, the white Sox were a one and done team because i think it kind of undermines a lot of the true talent that they had on on that roster during that time uh okay um despite the fact that uh, we've established earlier in this podcast that tommy is clearly and significantly older than me i am going old school with my answer because it is i've mentioned it before it is the last time i have cried over a sports game result um yeah last week when they blew that game no it wasn't last week it was uh 1983 it was Taylor i knew Landry that was where you're going a home run and it was so i mean that's an a i mean i was I won't identify my age because it might be embarrassing, but I'm still a young enough fan. And come on, you're investing everything in the team. This is the first truly great White Sox team. I mean, I was a Southside uh, Hitman kid, but you know they they fizzled out. Uh, White Sox uh, had every excuse to go to the World Series and maybe even win a World Series that year. Uh, they could not be stopped in the second half, uh, an extraordinary second half like we will never see i don't know about in baseball but i do not think we will see it in chicago white Sox annals because it was such an unbalanced season they started out so poorly uh and yeah i mean and then seeing Britt burns dejected on the mound with um such a gutting out effort i mean really some of the last games he would ever pitch he pitched what two more seasons i believe i mean his that hip was a, a ticking time bomb um 
uh yeah so yeah that one got me and i mean it's only only in part because i actually was going to get to go see game five the game five that was promised to us all but didn't happen still got my ticket stub somewhere i should put it on the wall like maliki does there although that's sort of like a reminder of sad that's actually a horrifying reminder why would i put it on the wall what am i thinking uh it's the punchiness that comes along with the live stream um uh, soft open of our live stream. And I did sort of, I've never done this before. So I did just want to see if like the things would work. It appears that they all work. We are talking to some folks on the Facebook. We are, we are seeing viewers on <laughs> Elon Musk's Twitter <laughs> for another program or so. Uh, hey, Elon, don't get angry at us. Don't, don't cut us off. Um, don't give us a blue check mark either. And uh, also what's the other thing? Oh yeah. YouTube. Hey, friends at YouTube um thank you for watching we will hype in the future uh per per elder tommy barbie's suggestion we will post in the future uh on site on Southside Sox, saying hey um this is the this is the time this is you know we got something coming uh and we'll we'll, we'll embed a player there so you can watch you know if you like or if you have limited clicks then you know you want to click over to youtube and then just watch on Southside Sox as long as they let us uh, so yeah, soft open. Uh, thanks for the few uh, viewers who showed up, including our very, very favorite. And clearly, what was I thinking? My best friend in the whole wide world, Crystal O'Keefe. Sorry, Tommy. Sorry, Super Joe. Sorry, Maliki. Um, uh, thanks for the viewing and, and the comments. And I imagine we will have more robust sessions in the future. And who knows, maybe we'll have more fun things to talk about. Here's the thing. You got to come up with a good agenda, because if the fun thing you're going to talk about is the 2023 White Sox, well, we all know. Dear viewers, we all know that's not going to be any fun at all. So we'll try to come up with fun categories like when did the White Sox last make you cry? And I'll come up with the other, you know, the other 84 times they made me cry because probably more than just 1983. <sighs> Anyhow, um, any last thoughts from my friends on this live stream? Uh, Joe can't hear me. So, um, you know, I'll, I, I should, I should do the Melissa Sage Bullock and just like hold up signs for Joe, but, uh, Last thoughts uh, for this maiden voyage of whatever this, whatever this thing is. Happy Forest Day. Uh, yeah. Happy Forest Day safe and prepare for things get much, much worse. So <laughs> save all your sadness for August 1st. Hey, everybody, keep watching. Make sure to subscribe. Bookmark. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're going to keep us in this. Uh in this purgatory for the rest of the year. I think we're doomed to be 10 games under and five games back for, for the whole ride. <laughs> what are the options? Okay. Yeah. Like bonus speed category. What are the options given that we did refer to Carlos Rodon in this, in this very podcast? Okay. What is the possibility? Malachi, I want you to answer this first. What is the possibility that they hold on to Lucas, as you've predicted all along in, in several podcasts, because again, I'm not creative enough to come up with different topics. So we talk about the same stuff every time. But please, everybody keep viewing every single one of these podcasts, because we'd love to have you. And there's always a fun wrinkle, like again, who's weeping and, and who can hear. Uh, but uh, Maliki, what is the chance, it's got to be more than zero, that they ride out the season with Lucas Giolito, and then don't offer him the QO? I And don't, I mean, whew. Hey, man. I, I have to ask. <laughs> I mean, we think it's 100% they will. Is it 100%? The only reason I'm going to say no is just because with Rodon, am I mistaken in, in thinking that Scott Boris was involved? Was he his representative? Correct. In yes. That? Correct. Yes. And there is always fuckery with Scott Boris. You know, who's to say where particularly with the White Sox, yeah. particularly with the White Sox. So I'm a little less concerned about that. I mean, I wasn't I, concerned about it, about Rodon not getting a qualifying yeah. offer at the time yeah. either. So I mean, who's to say, but um, I, I'd like to think maybe they learn from that mistake, but uh, who's to say with any kind of confidence? I don't um, know. Uh, Tommy or Joe, you think there's any chance that they do not extend the QO to Gilito if they keep him all year? Um, oh, go ahead, Joe. Sure. Oh, um, I mean, I wouldn't count on it, but you never you never know with these things. But yeah, I, I was of the opinion heading into the year that if Gilito had a bounce back year, it, he wouldn't be back. But if 
he repeated his disappointing performance from 2022. If he probably the White Sox, I could see them giving kind of yeah. like a little bit of a loyalty contract that was a little bit higher than the low market rates. And mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick to that. He's mm-hmm. had a nice year so far, and I don't think that they're to pay the market rates mm-hmm. for him. And I, I think I think he's. It's very likely that he'll be on a different team here. Okay, Tommy, in spite of the fact that we all knew that Rick Hahn would extend a qualifying offer to Carlos Rodon, and yet he did not, and yet. do you predict that there is no chance that that will happen again, or is there a chance that will happen again? It will absolutely happen again. <laughs> I, I am all, I am almost sure of it. Okay, let's cut through this then, and we have a second speed round question, and that is, do you buy the postmortem? I mean, we talk a lot of postmortems here. All these podcasts actually are postmortems. Let's face it, postmortem White Sox. After the fact, I mean, I don't even know if it was ever said, and I don't know that a GM can say this, but certainly it was strongly intimated that the White Sox chose to be good guys and not limit Rodon's market by attaching the draft pick by making that offer. Um, is there any chance that was true? Because I'll tell you now, there's zero. Well, let's put it this way. It shouldn't be true. I don't think it is true. It absolutely shouldn't be true. That's that what are we we waiting for Valentine's from players? What is going on here? Is there any chance of that really being the case? Like somehow word will get out that the White Sox will want to keep their players or something? I mean, I don't really get it, but any chance that actually is true? You know, I wonder if there was almost – if he – Rodon came back to the White Sox. On a, was it a minor league deal that he – on just a spring training invite that he uh, – after being non-tendered, or was it, uh, you know, one year, three million, something like that? I think it was It was I mean, a three million. I think it was a guarantee. I think he was guaranteed a it was, roster, but it was three either million. Way, you know, I'm, it, it makes me wonder if maybe there was some kind of deal cut there where, you know, I'm, he mm. – he, I suspect he probably could have gotten more than $3 million coming off a non-tender there, even with his injury history. But um, I don't know. And I think the history with Lucas Giolito specifically in the nickel and nickel and diming over, you know, what a few $50,000, whatever it was um, in the near arbitration case last year, they, they don't seem to have a problem, uh, (laughs) you know, sticking him financially. So again, I, I'm, whatever was going on there, it, it seemed like, it seemed like something weird that was kind of specific to, to Carlos Rodon. Although again, who's to say it was kind of one of a kind at the time, but you know, history repeats itself. So. Yeah. Oh, and that's right. He was hurt. Remember the med- the medicals must've indicated his arm was, you know, I mean, and as it turns out, I guess a year later he was, but boy, the White Sox could have used that f- five war season. Let's <laughs> go all oh, those medicals. Um, no, uh, I think the Tommy, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it was a case of Boris outmaneuvering the White Sox again. I mean, I it would not surprise me if Boris dangled one of his clients in front of the White Sox and said, hey, if you want a shot at signing so-and-so, like, let's make this easier for Don and I can put in a good word and make this a little bit easier for you, and it probably never came to fruition. So I, I would not be surprised if that's what happened and that's why i wouldn't be surprised if it happens again Hmm. teaser for future podcasts i'll tell the story when scott boris called me on the phone and bawled me out for something jerry reinsdorf said but that's for a future podcast as we keep the good vibes going for the rest of the season sometimes even live streaming to one of three destinations one of which you may have watched or be watching us on right now oh we and we love you for it uh Again, my three of my closest friends in the world, perhaps not best friends because Crystal might still be listening and watching. My best friends in the whole wide world, Tommy Bard, Maliki Hayes, and the in and out a delightful Sox Math champ, the wizard of the Indianapolis field office and soon to be the wizard of West Coast, Super Joseph Rhesus. I'm Brett Valentini, somehow once again your host on these podcasts. I'll keep stumbling my way through them as long as this machine turns on and now we can broadcast live out into the world. Uh, Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. Thank you, Elon Musk. Thank you, YouTube, Google. Do we have to thank them every podcast? Okay, well, thank you. No, I don't ever want to thank them again. Friggin' dirtbags. Okay, anyhow. 
Uh, thank you for joining us on this um, podcast, live stream, much major. Uh, maybe in a week we'll do another one. Maybe in a few days we'll do another one. Uh, we would like to actually establish a schedule. Tommy told me we should. So I guess I'll try to do that. But uh, at any rate, seems like a week is about as much as we can take on these. So uh, perhaps we'll roll another one out for you soon. And we'll tell stories about crying at baseball games and Scott Boris and uh, Maliki watching the White Sox from Ireland and Super Joseph walking down the street and just deciding to solve Sox math that drops out of the sky. And um, Tommy Barbie's scouting missions to go see White Sox minor leaguers. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. As you can tell by that preview, a lot of fun stuff to come. Thank you for joining us. We'll do it again soon. I'm going to try to end our broadcast day now, although at some point we will just go all night because why not? We've already done 152 of these. <laughs> why not just go all night? But for now, a ta-ta and uh, we'll see you again sooner than you are ready to see us.